Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, Senior Pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland. It's a church that plants churches and of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. Hey, we're glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message. We hope this teaching helps you love God and love people better every single day. And if you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching. So let's jump back into our study. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5 today. Mark chapter 5. Now, in Mark chapter 5, a lot of stuff is going on here. This is, this, is a, this is a really powerful chapter. We start the chapter with Jesus meeting a man who is possessed by many spirits. And Jesus sets a man free from his demon possession that has been, they couldn't chain him. They couldn't keep him, they couldn't keep him under control. He, was, he is out of his mind. He's naked and running around in a cemetery. All of these things in an ancient world, a cemetery is not a place people go. It's an unclean place to start with. Being naked is considered unclean. He's, he, he can't be controlled. He can't, everything about him is despicable and despised by the Jewish culture. So they, they put him outside the town. They keep him outside the town. He lives in a cave. He, he's just, they keep him away from everybody. They have ignored the person with mental illness and left them to be homeless. Hmm. Isn't it nice that it's not like that in our culture right now? I got to tell you, there needs to be an answer for people like this. And, 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 and the world does not always want to offer an answer to people who are struggling, who are struggling emotionally, who are struggling mentally, who are struggling in ways that we look at and say, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. That makes me feel bad. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to see that. And we'll set them outside somewhere. We'll let them live in tents in the woods, or we'll let them live in tents in parts of the city we don't go into. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we do this exact thing. But what we find in the beginning of chapter, in, in the first part of chapter 5 of Mark, is that Jesus does not ignore this man. He does not go around the cemetery in order to avoid him. Jesus brings into the darkness of this man's life, Jesus brings the light of healing and the light of hope, the light of Christ into his life. And, and, and once he's done with this, he heals this man. And then we get these words. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. So what Jesus has done is he's gone. He has met this man on one side of the lake, this, this demon-possessed man, and he's healed him. He's set him free. Then he travels to the other side of the lake, and a large crowd gathers again. Why? Because they see these things that Jesus is doing, so they want to gather around him and see what he's going to do next. Now watch. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. This is huge because he's a synagogue leader, so he's one of those people that's supposed to be opposed to Jesus, that's not supposed to like Jesus, that's supposed to be trying to get rid of Jesus. Instead, he falls down at Jesus' feet. Why? Well, we're about to find out. He pleaded with him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Because, please come and put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now, you've got to understand, Jairus is supposed to be in, in opposition to Jesus. But now Jairus suddenly, who's supposed to have 
oppose Jesus has a reason to need Jesus or to desire Jesus' presence or Jesus' power. Jairus needs a healing. Watch. Jairus needs a healing. Listen, Jairus needs a power that the the synagogue and the temple is not offering to him. Jairus needs a power, stay with me, that religion is not giving him. It needs to come from somewhere else. And so he goes away from the religion and approaches a potential relationship with Jesus, whom his religion does not like, but whom his daughter and his family and his life needs. I just described all of us. Many of us, our religion, can I be honest, even if you go to a Christian church, a lot of Christian churches, you get in the Bible, you start reading it, and they don't really like what Jesus has to say, and Jesus will mess up your religion in a heartbeat. you got to understand that. Really encountering Jesus will mess up your religion. Because when you encounter a relationship with the God of heaven, he starts to actually take you beyond the religion and into a relationship that changes your actual life, not just changes your practices on one day a week. You see, we can do our religion by changing our practices one day a week or one hour a day. But when you have a relationship with God, it changes everything about who you are. In fact, what it does is it takes being trapped in the darkness of my brokenness and my confusion in a graveyard of my bad ideas and bad choices where everyone else has rejected me and left me out there. It takes me from there to experiencing the light of a God who wants to invade that space and give me a way to come out of it and find actual healing. Following this encounter with Jairus, they're traveling along, there's crowds around him, and a woman who's been bleeding for years, and this makes her unclean so people can't be around her, all these things are going on, she's got some type of of issue that's causing her to bleed, she thinks to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She's looking for healing and light, she's looking for something beyond religion. All of the healers, all of the doctors, all of the religions, none of them have helped her over the years. She's now coming to Jesus. Watch. So many of us, we wait till everything else has failed and then we try Jesus. Look, Jesus is the answer from the beginning. When she touches the hem of his garment, she's healed. So, so you've got the, the, the man, the, the demon-possessed man who in our culture, let's put it in our terms, who is struggling with his mental health, who's struggling with the, the, the death that is around him, who's ostracized from society and pushed aside. Jesus heals that, and he becomes a regular functioning member of society again. You've got this woman who is ostracized from society because she's sick and she can't be healed and nobody has an answer for her, and she's considered unclean. She's considered untouchable, yet Jesus heals her, and now she's back in society, and he's walking with Jairus, someone who has served in the religious world world, but now needs something more. We need to understand that we need to choose in the way that Jesus did. We need to choose to be the light in a world that is often extremely dark. You need to assume that everyone needs God, and you need to know that God wants to be there for everyone. Everybody needs God, and we've got to be the light that shows him to them. We've got to be the person that brings Jesus to the forefront, that brings Jesus out and lets people see him. Why? Because you, y'all, y'all, listen to me. You don't know when there's a gyrus around you. 
You don't know when there's a woman who's been rejected by the rest of the world who's close by and yet knows that she needs something. You don't know when she's nearby. You don't know when she's in the crowd. You don't know who's around you. So you've got to be the light of Christ everywhere you go because you never know who might be near you that needs him. We've got to be the light. Assume that everybody needs Jesus and know that God wants to be there for everyone. Now, this woman touches Jesus. He turns around. He says, who touched me? The disciples are just flabbergasted. What do you mean who touched you? You're surrounded by people. Everybody said, no, 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 Jesus said, somebody touched me and power left me. They figure out it's this woman. Jesus uh, acknowledges that she's healed and, and makes it okay. And she goes on her way. While that is happening, it says, I'm in, I'm in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. We've got to choose to be the light because we never know who needs the light around us. But we also need to choose to be the hope that the world needs. Because I'm going to tell you, our world is direly lacking in hope. Our, our, our world is... is it, I really don't mean to be so hard on culture. I, 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 we live in this culture. There's a lot of beautiful things about culture. I get that. But our culture is so dark right now. And, and our, our, our conversations with one another are so dark right now. Our relationships across lines and across parties and across groups is so dark right now. We need to be the light to the world, but we also need to bring hope into the situation. We need to bring a hope for a healing, a hope for a change, a hope for people to be able to actually walk in unity because they've met a God who supersedes everything that has divided them. You know, we, we, we honestly, we, we must understand and celebrate our diversity. That is true. But we must celebrate and understand what unifies us and what can unify us is the blood of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives because Jesus died on a cross for all people. No matter what labels you want to hold, Jesus loved you so much that he died on a cross for you. And the hope for you is Jesus. Everybody everybody. We all have problems that we can't fix. Every one of us have problems that we can't fix, and there seems to be no hope in it. But Jesus brings hope to that. Why? Because God works. Y'all, stay with me. Don't, don't lose me. God works miracles. God does the miraculous in our lives. He can change things that we honestly do not believe are possible. They can come to us and say, your hope is now dead. But Jesus will say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just trust me. Just trust me in this moment. And all of a sudden, a moment that is dark and empty and hopeless becomes hopeful because Jesus is in it. You know, again, can I just be honest? You never know when someone is near you that fits that description. They need a hope that the world can't give them. Again, go back to the go back to the man possessed of demons. Everybody else has given up on him. Go back to the woman with the issue of bleeding. Everybody's given up on her. Go now to Jairus, who they say your daughter's dead. Everybody's giving up on him. Everybody's giving up, but Jesus, Jesus never gives up on any of us. There's always hope. There's always a way forward. You see, there's no room. I've said this so many times. There's no room in Christianity for hopelessness because God is light. God is hope. 
Jesus gives us what we need in the moment we need it, and we don't have to be afraid. He says, do not be afraid. He says to, he says to him, do not be afraid. Just believe. And then it says, he did not let, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump down to verse 37. Jesus arrives at the house. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jairus' house, Jesus saw a, a, a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly because the girls died. He went in and said to them, while this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, can I just pause? Jesus will take those who are laughing at your hope and put them out. Your hope, your hope is beyond anything this world can understand. Our hope in God is beyond what this culture gets. They don't get it. It is a, it is a peace that passes all understanding is the way the Bible says it. It surpasses understanding. It's more than this culture can understand. But Jesus takes those who laugh at your hope and sets them outside so he can do his work. Oh, could I get some? Y'all, if you were here, I'd be asking you to amen right now. Because I'm here to tell you that Jesus will take those who are laughing at you, set them aside so that he can get to work inside of you, putting the hope in place, putting the healing in place, putting the miracle in place that they laughed at when you said it was possible. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with them and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. You need to choose to be the light. You need to assume the world needs Jesus and know that God wants to reach everyone. You need to choose to be the hope in the world because there's not enough of it. We all have problems we can't fix, but God does miracles. But in the end, we need to choose to be present. Jesus showed up. He arrived at Jairus' house where his hopes, his dreams, his love, his future lay dead in a bed. But Jesus entered that house. He was there with them, and he showed them hope. We have a great story that illustrates this. It's from the life of our, uh, one of our pastors, Curtis Honeycutter, actually helped write the E-word. I want you to hear Curtis tell the story, and when he's done, we're going to wrap this up, and I want to call you to be the hope in somebody's life. So for me, the person that embodies this idea the most is, is my best friend. His name's Anthony Anderson. He's giant, big six-foot-nine dude. Anthony and I were best friends in high school, and then he went off to college, and he played D1 basketball from Morgan State University. So for me, I saw him as this larger-than-life figure. He had it all figured out, and you know, Anthony used to tell me about his faith in high school, but I, I could care less because for me, he was no different than me. But then Anthony had this moment in his life where I got to witness that he had something that I didn't have. In his second year of playing college basketball, six foot nine, 260 pounds, Superman in my eyes got diagnosed with leukemia. And over the next couple of years, Anthony dropped down to 135 pounds. Uh, he, he 
the doctor told him he wasn't going to make it multiple times. He'd spend months at a time in the hospital. I watched him battle and I watched him fight. And in those times, I watched the person that he had been becoming all along actually come out. Because when his entire dream, I mean, this, his dream was to go to the NBA. His dream was to be able to take care, take, take care of his mom and, and retire her. He had these, these things that he wanted to get in his life, but the person that he wanted to become, it all came out when he got diagnosed with cancer. And I got to witness it firsthand. I used to drive him to the hospital twice a week and I'd watch the way he treated the nurses. I'd watch the way at Johns Hopkins, I'd watch when he would go and he was in the most pain that he had ever been in in his life. I'd watch him be more concerned with the people around him and the other people that were sick and the kids that were hurting. I watched him more focused on them than his own pain. I watched him, I had days where I'd be coming home from work and I was frustrated because I was working for my dad's glass company and I didn't want to be. And I'd call him and I'd start complaining about traffic. And in the middle of my talking, I would just stop and embarrassingly just ask him like, how are you? 135 pounds laying in a hospital bed. He's been in there for months. And he'd always respond with, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And he'd tell me about the challenges of his day, but there was always this peace that I didn't understand. In those moments, I got to watch Anthony's core values of service, of faithfulness to God, of, of unity with people, of, 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 of tenacity. I got to watch these values come to life. That story of Curtis and Anthony is one of the most powerful stories I think I've ever heard. And it's not a story of someone who went in knowing what he was going to learn. Curtis didn't realize everything he was going to learn. But he learned that Jesus is the light. Jesus is the hope. And if he would just remain present, that Jesus could do a miraculous work. I want you to know, God wants to use you that way. I don't know who, I don't know where. I just know he wants to. So the real question today is, are you going to let him use you that way when he opens the door? Are you going to trust him? Are you going to be what, look, Light is not helpful if it's not exposed. And you've got to expose the light of Christ. Hope does no good if it's not shared. And you've got to share the hope of Christ. And a miracle will not be brought to pass if you're not willing to, of your own accord and in your own faith, bring Jesus into the house where the death has occurred. So here's my question. Are you willing to be Curtis in somebody's life? Are you willing to be the person who brings Jesus to the place so that light and hope and healing can all take place? I think guess what God's called us to? Our gospel is simple, but it's not easy. Jesus is the answer, but he must be brought to bear in every situation. I'm asking you to do that pray with me. Holy Spirit, give us courage. We've been praying, Lord, that you would open doors of opportunity for us to share our, share our faith and share you with people. We've been asking, Lord, that you would prepare the hearts of people before we get there. Now, Father, as we begin to take action on these prayers and on these opportunities you've given us, we ask, Lord, for your courage we ask, Lord, for your words. We ask, Holy Spirit, for your presence. 
We can only present the light. We can't be the light. We can only give the hope. We can't be the hope. We can only present the possibility of the miracle. We can't make the miracle. Oh, but we can be the representative of the light, the hope, and the miracle. So, Lord, give us the courage. Give us the opportunity. And, Lord, give us give us the story when you use us to change someone else's life. And we'll give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every single day. If you enjoyed this, please take a second, share it with your friends. And last, we wanted to give a special thanks to all of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you all that this is possible. And if you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, go ahead and click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. So thanks again for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.